We are all going to reach the departure lounge. One day, will you be ready? Have you thought about what will happen to your family if you were to pass away suddenly? Do you have a will? Do you know how your assets will be divided and if your family will be safe and secure after you've gone? It's not an easy subject to talk about, but it is something we must all think about. Hello and welcome to my podcast, Unapologetically KK. My guest today is Naila Sarwar, who is a UK qualified lawyer and is practicing law in the UAE. Naila is a wills expert. Hello, Naila, and welcome to Unapologetically KK. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. No, thank you for inviting me into your home. We are in Sustainable City and we are recording in Naila's house. It's a beautiful house and an amazing property to live on. Uh, I, I guess you enjoy living in, in this space? It, I do. It's it's very nice. Obviously, I like the whole sustainability um concept and it's a lovely community to be you know in with my children as well so they really enjoyed living here so it's great love it yes it was quite a trek for me to get here because I had to park in the visitors parking and then they they said just you can just walk and that's such a unique thing in Dubai because you feel like you're going to always park at the door yes and and it's 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 quite refreshing I must <laughs> it say, is, to yeah. say that. it does take our visitors by surprise and when, when we say park the car at guest parking I ask the concierge or you just walk up they're like what do you mean yeah you don't park in front of the house yeah but Nice, like I can't it. take my car there. <laughs> yeah, Are you right. saying I have to walk <laughs> in, in, in Dubai? Five degree heat. I mean, okay. So yeah, it was it was quite fun to get here. So thank you again for doing this. I have been wanting to talk about this uh, with you for a long time. So sure. I'm glad we're here today. Definitely. And I want to start with asking really about wills. That what is the purpose of having a will? Well, basically, the impo- people don't realise that obviously. We're, we're living here is something that we don't really want to think about it's not a very nice subject to to consider and think about as a family as an individual but it's very important here especially in the UAE because obviously as, as time goes on a lot of individuals are now staying here for much longer and therefore they're acquiring assets whether it's property or whether it's uh, bank accounts that they pay the salaries in so it's very very important that should anything happen to you it's very important to have a will to ensure that your assets are then passed down to the relevant benefit fisheries basically your loved ones and how you want them to be passed down in accordance with your wishes right. and it's a very different concept here in the UAE compared to perhaps in your home country that's why it's very important otherwise if you don't have a will in place then it's left to the authorities to deal with that and perhaps we can talk about that later on yes but that's the one of the reasons why it's important to have a will Absolutely. So I, I just want to, I've got a definition here and I'm, I'm just going to read that out and then please feel free to tell me, you know, or add to that. Uh, it says that the primary purpose of your last will and testament is to distribute any property you own in the event of your death. And it may also legally specify a number of other provisions, including ensuring your spouse or partner receives all of your possessions. That is pretty much the, the, the concept and the correct yeah, definition. So this we're talking about all material possessions, how you want it distributed in the event of your death. Yes, correct. And it's in accordance with your wishes. Otherwise, if we don't deal with that within a, a, the correct instrument, i.e. a will, otherwise then it'll be, it'll be left dealing with under Sharia law. Right. Okay, because the UAE inheritance laws are covered of the overriding principle is sharia law right whether you're an expat or or um, a, a national UA national right and irrespective of nationality irrespective of whether you're a muslim or not non-muslim everyone will fall under sharia law mm-hmm. in basically when it concerns their assets unless you have a will in place and so obviously we'll talk about that more in more detail later on but if you don't have a will in place, then there is a prescribed formula as, as to how assets are distributed. And generally speaking, obviously it differs according to personal circumstances, but the general rule is that where it concerns, a, um, let's say, a male mm-hmm. individual who passes away, then there are um, specific percentages in how the legal heirs receive those assets where it concerns a, a non-will situation. Right. So w- what I mean by that is, for example, the male individual, the wife would receive... Uh, an eighth of his assets yes okay and then there will be surviving parents who would also be eligible so for example his mother and father would receive a sixth each mm-hmm. and then the remainder would then be passed down to any natural children he may have but it also goes to the brothers and sisters right it depends extended on... family can be included in this if they contest it now i'm talking about this in terms of people who have a significant 
correct uh, you know amount of asset to yes. to for it to be distributed so there is an issue with people coming in and they could be family members who could contest the 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 immediate family members claims to to the will in i mean to the asset in case you don't have a will we are talking about significant assets here but generally speaking that is the prescribed formula that the the law, uh, the the courts will follow right and um so yes if there's going to be any challenge of the the validity of those um prescribed shares then obviously that's something that would have to be dealt with through the courts but right. that's usually and it's the same thing that applies when it concerns a female as well right uh, the, again just the percentages differ a little bit for example, for her husband, he would inherit 25% or or a quarter of her estate. Right. And the same, again, with the surviving parents. If there are surviving parents, then there would be a sixth each and then the remainder would go to the children. But bearing in mind the way it works here is that the ratio would be two to one. So the son would receive a double share over the daughter. Right, right. Um, And I guess we do receive questions, for example, from our clients, well, what if we only have girls? Then if it's two girls, then they would just receive, you know, equal amounts. Correct. Yeah. Um, And if there's, and again, as I said, depending on circumstances, it changes. But then if there is no surviving parent, then yes, siblings could come into the equation and challenge that and and try and and, um, apply or um, claim specific percentage of the asset as well. So it just very much depends on the circumstances. Well, I've had experience with that because my father passed away in 2002. This was before there was any kind of other option to register an international will as an expat. Um, there was no uh, freehold property law at that time. We, expats couldn't buy properties. So this was just about your financial assets, not property. And my father um, was diagnosed with cancer, passed away very quickly. So there was really no time for us to even understand that, you know, does he have a will? What happened? Because it was just so sudden, uh, losing him. And then when we came back here, there was all of these questions in terms of my mother was sponsored by him. You know, I was married, my, my, my brother was in the States, so we didn't have an issue with our visa, but my mother luckily had uh, a business that she was running. So her sponsorship wasn't really affected, but with regards to the assets, his bank accounts, even when she was a joint, um, account holder got frozen immediately as soon as we registered the death certificate here all of his financial accounts were frozen and she had no access to any of the money um now because he didn't have a will she didn't even know that he had some accounts uh, okay. where she was not a joint account holder. Sure. so just understanding the value of of his financial assets was quite a struggle. Um, and then when everything got frozen, we we were told that we had to go to court. When we went to court, they said, well, this is, as you're saying, this will be, even at that time, I don't think that even if he had a will in India, it would have applied here. So it got divided by Sharia law. Now, my brother and I were the only uh, children and uh, he, my my dad had no surviving parents. It was just my mother and my, my brother and myself. And we actually gave a signed affidavit saying that we do not want any of his assets. We want everything to go to the mother, uh, to our mother. But when we went there to receive the the money from the court, it was divided exactly as you said. My brother got the largest chunk of his money. I got the second and my mother got the least. Um, so how does that work if, if you, I guess that's changed now. Correct. I mean, it's very, very unfortunate you had to go through that situation. I'm very sorry to hear that. Um, things have been very, very challenging pre-2015. And you are right in saying that if you don't have a will in place, then automatically by default, Sharia law will apply and therefore mm-hmm. everything is dealt with through the Dubai courts. Mm-hmm. Bearing in mind the Dubai courts, everybody is, um, I want to say everybody, it's, it's Arabic. Um, it's dealt with in Arabic as well. There are Arabic speaking judges, um, Arabic lawyers. So it's very, very difficult to sort of navigate through that system. And obviously Sharia law still applies and it has to be dealt with through the um, Dubai court. So you're very much reliant on um, Sharia and 
um, because there are no sort of bright binding precedents at the Dubai court. So therefore, mm-hmm. it's very much up to the judge at that specific time to decide how those assets are, are distributed, obviously still following the Sharia principle. So where you were expecting perhaps handing over that affidavit to allow your mother to perhaps receive the most significant amount of the asset, the judge doesn't need to take that into consideration at all. And obviously, with it being it, the UAE, it is male-dominated, and Sharia, the way it applies, is that the males do receive the higher amount, and that, mm-hmm. that is the, the way the law operates. Right. Post-2015, obviously, a lot of expats who were living here, you know, pre-2015, realised that this was a major issue for them, and they were it sat very uncomfortably for them, considering their home countries allow them a lot more sort of leeway, a lot more flexibility in Absolutely. terms of how the assets were Because this is your last will. This, Correct. This, these are your last wishes of yes. how you want your assets to be divided. Now, I, I have full respect for the law here, and I, I understand this. The idea is really for people to understand and be able to navigate this difficult situation because you are already going through a lot of grief. And if this is another thing you need to deal with, it's it's a very, very difficult time for you to then sort through all of these legal procedures. Correct. And I think that's why the, the government recognised that. And hence the, the reason why they set up the, the wills and probate registry, as it was called at that time, it's now the Will Service Centre. And they recognised that with expats, they wanted them to ensure that their assets were protected properly and for it to be conducted in a, in a way that was going to be much easier compared to how the current system was working at that time. So they set up the system through the DIFC. So everything is conducted um, in English. You can have your will uh, written in English. It's registered in English. And when it comes to executing the will, i.e. when it comes to administering the estate at the time post death, then that is dealt with through the DIFC courts. And again, they are English-speaking judges who are presiding over the case. Right. So they, they, that allowed the system to be a lot more flexible and hence why a lot more expats were then investing in the UAE and acquiring property, shares in business, and obviously bank accounts, whether it was applicable to their business or to their work, but this allowed right. them to... Yeah. yeah, it gives you more security to say that I now have control over what happens Correct. with my assets yes. exactly the way I want them to be That's distributed. That's right. And then you can also, again, putting the assets aside, is that you can then nominate whoever you want, not only to execute your will, mm-hmm. but also who you want to nominate as your beneficiary. So, for example, if it was myself as a, a, a non-Muslim, then I can, let's say I could... Um, pass my the entire amount of my estate 100% to my husband. Right. Okay. But if then, it, generally speaking, what you tend to find is that most um, individuals, expat individuals, will pass their assets, it's everything to their spouse. And should they predecease them, then everything will go equally to the children. Right. That's the general sort of what, what we... That's what happens pattern. Mostly, Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah. And that's what individuals wanted, expats wanted. When it's when setting yes. up and registering a will here, so that seems to work. So if you have a will that's been registered in your home country, whether in India, UK, or anywhere else in the world, can you just bring that in and register it here, or do you have to have a new specific will with only properties that you have within the UAE registered at the DIFC? You have to realise here is that where it concerns assets that are held here in the UAE, you need to have a, a will specific to the UAE jurisdiction. Right. So if you hold a will in India, Brit, in, in Britain or, or elsewhere, that will will not apply here in the UAE. And we've had clients where, um, or situations where a client may have had a will drawn up in the UK mm-hmm. and asked their, their lawyer to carve out that Sharia law will not apply to any of their assets. Well, if you look to bring that will here, well, that will will not apply here at all. Right. Because it's obviously, it's in contravention to the UAE laws. Right. So you can't do something that's going to be against not only public policy, but against, it's, it's contravention to the law. Yeah. So it's not going to work. So if you are an expat living in the UAE, it is imperative that for all of your assets, financial and and property, that you have a will in the UAE. Correct. Otherwise, it automatically goes, and and I want to talk about that, what happens when you don't have one. Otherwise, it automatically goes into Sharia law. Correct. So, so let's, let's just get into that right away to say that, okay, I, I have property. I have two or three houses here. I have a business and I have financial assets in terms of, um, investments and money in the bank. And I don't have a will. 
what happens if if I pass away without a, right. a living will? Okay, well, that situation applies by, by default. Again, Sharia law will apply if you don't have a, an appropriate instrument in place, which means that everything will have to be dealt with through the Dubai court under probate. Mm-hmm. It's the way you die intestate. Okay, yeah. that's, that's the sort of formal terminology. And um, it's a very long and time-consuming process. So therefore, what will happen is that you... the Let's say the family members would have to present themselves at court. You would have to instruct a, a local advocate because, again, everything's conducted in Arabic. And uh, you'd have to present two male witnesses uh, to the, the individual's estate to explain what the situation is and in terms of what the breakdown is in terms of the sort of family tree. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the, the males would have to come forward and then those assets would be distributed. Again, in that prescribed formula that we discussed earlier on. Yeah. It's a very, very long process, as you'll appreciate. Yes. So you're looking at something that's going to be no less than nine to 12 months to deal with. And obviously, it's a very stressful time. It's a very emotional time as well. And to navigate that through that system is it's, it's, it's quite daunting as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. So that's why it's, it really is imperative, very, very important to have a, a, an appropriate will in place to avoid those circumstances. And not only that, because you're relying on an Arabic or a local advocate, it's very, very expensive as well you think you're talking about thousands of dirhams to deal with this and there are two stages in the probate system as well yeah so um the the cost to the cost of drawing up a will far outweighs the having to deal with the the whole dubai court system and and having to deal with your assets without a will in place absolutely because the court now has to decide what happens and and the more assets there are the more difficult it becomes the more family members there are the more difficult it becomes i mean the law is the law but i guess there is this whole process that you need to go through right. even for the courts to kind of distribute it so it isn't as straightforward as saying you know these are the assets these are the people i I know from from when it happened with us, with my dad, um, there is a period where they, they say we have to now wait to see if someone comes in to contest that you are the only legal heir to Correct. this this asset. Yes. So there is a waiting period as well to see if there is a, a, maybe parents or, or my dad's siblings or anyone else who comes in and says, no, we we need we need to have part of his his asset. Uh, correct, and, and and therefore the the judge is under an obligation to hear any challenges as well. So again, that's going to delay the 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 process even further as well. And something like this, where you just want to have it wrapped up as quickly as possible, and the the process is so long. So yes, anyone can come and challenge. You can't prevent that from happening. Yeah. So to to circumvent all of this really the the importance is and i guess the the recommendation here is to have a, a relevant will drawn up right. to avoid these circumstances so i i want to then talk about what happens if this person who who has passed away has a business if they are in a partnership with someone else and they pass away what happens to that business the business can continue um as as normal what will happen in terms of the shares again that's the same situation where the shares and the um the shareholding of the business w- of that individual who's now passed away, the, the same principles apply whereby that particular shareholding will then be subject to Sharia law or if there is a will in place, then it will have to be dealt with under the, the relevant um, principles. Let's say, for example, if it's under a DIFC will, mm-hmm. then that will have to that will be subject to probate and has to be an, administered by the estate. But as a as an operational point of view, you can still continue operating the business, but the account will, would be frozen. So you can have money coming into the account, but the, the account would be frozen once the death certificate is, has become available, has been registered. So th- there are some difficulties in, in dealing with that yeah. as well. Yeah. But that's not to say that the, the business would close down once the death certificate is, is obviously has materialized. You can still operate the business. But how does that work? If you go to Sharia law and a percentage goes to the wife and a percentage goes to to the kids and now you have instead of that one person being a partner in the business because now you if you're talking about a partnership and let's say it's a 50 50 partnership i am dealing with an individual but if that individual passes away my business then it belongs to his family that is and cool. there may not be anybody in the family let's say the kids are too young the wife is not you know uh qualified to run the business now i am having to deal with an entire family as a partner 
that is correct you would have to and, and as much as that's that's not very that's not ideal but that's the reality of it as well because although the wife might not be the one who's able to run the business in parallel with yourself but unless there's a will in place in nominating a correct person who has the know-how has the ability to run the business then it will fall to the again the prescribed formula that I mentioned and it'll be a spouse parents and and the children as well so even if the children are eligible to let's say even though the minds to run the business then it would look to appointing a trustee to mm-hmm. help to manage the business so it just creates a lot of complication really absolutely i mean how do you work now instead of with one person who's qualified to run the business with you how do you work with four different individuals or or maybe more or may you know at least at least two other individuals and it brings further difficulty as well because if you're looking to sell a business then how would you come to a, a decision and what is the right decision in selling the business at what value when you're dealing with other individuals who were not ordinarily part of the business from the outset mm-hmm. so it's very very difficult so again it reiterates the point that having the right instrument and having the right will in place yeah. will allow to uh, the the assets to be dealt with specifically in accordance with the testator's wishes. Right, because I I uh, am a registered real estate broker. I've had my own real estate business for over twenty years, and we had this one situation where a client was um, a shareholder in a property with his business partner. So they, as as business partners, had bought this five million dirham property, and. Uh, they had had some adjustment within the business where the one of the partners had sold his shares to the other partner and so he was owed no money in this and uh, but they had not changed the title deed so on the title deed this person was still a 50% stakeholder and uh, he was traveling back to to dubai and had a heart attack on flight and passed away he just didn't wake up when the plane landed and it was a shock to the family he had a daughter and and a wife who were not living in the uae because he used to live here just for business and now there was a situation where the his his the living partner had to go and explain to his family that yes this asset exists but i have already made adjustments within the business and paid him off for it so you are not really owed any money on this and you're talking about two and a half million and this was just one situation that i i knew of i'm not sure of how many other such situations he must have had but the family now turns around and says how do we know that you know this is two and a half million where's the paperwork legally we have access to this and and i remember i think they used to live in belgium his his wife and his uh, daughter and they came into family court to declare themselves as the legal heir of uh, all of his assets and i think he didn't have a lot of assets other than the business and and a couple of other properties sure. but then they had to cr- uh, transfer these properties first prove that they're the legal heir through the dubai courts then go into rira and transfer these properties to their name and this property actually was due for sale there was a buyer and this gentleman was coming back to dubai to sign the the wow. the transfer documents so now this entire transfer process has been delayed because these people um he's passed away and now the property first needs to be transferred to his wife and daughter new title deed needs to be issued so there's not just the dubai courts of proving that you're the legal heir you have to then get that document from family court and then go to to rira get a new title deed and hope that your buyer is still yeah. there looking you know ready to buy your property <laughs> and then sort out the issue with the surviving business partner so it was a very complicated process and this is just such a small thing that that's approved doesn't it absolutely. how complicated it can become if you don't have the right document in place and i think what what also, we, we fail to recognise here in the UAE, and again, it's just a, it's just because we're just not aware of it, mm-hmm. uh, is that there is no concept of joint survivorship. Perhaps there's been no it in common law jurisdictions. So, from for example, for myself, coming from the UK, that if I bought a property with my husband, then in the event of one passing, then the, the concept of joint survivorship yeah. applies. And therefore, you nominate. That's right. Yeah. And he would automatically also receive, by sort of survivorship, he would receive my share. Well, here in the UAE, there is no concept as such. So essentially what it means is that if I purchase a property here in the UAE, then we are essentially investors or partners in that property. So for example, if anything should happen to me, 
my 50% share would not automatically pass on to my husband. Right. My 50% share would be frozen and would be subject to probate and being dealt with through through my will or however it's it's dealt with. And my husband will retain his 50% share. Yes. Right. But the entire asset will be frozen yes. until my 50% share is dealt with in accordance with my wishes, if I have a will in place. So that's something that is really a misconception here. And you really need to be aware of that because, yes. it's, and, and your example is a, it's a case in point that although everything was straightforward, they had an understanding, but you haven't got the correct documentation in place. And the t- title deed also showed that yes. there were still joint owners. Then again, how can you prove that? Exactly. Let's say you do have uh, something in writing, but that's between partners. That's right. You know, it's not a stamped uh, document attested by the court to say that, yes, this money is now mine, but we haven't transferred the shares yet. Correct. Is that, let's say you have a letter or, or something in writing to say, yes, I owe you this and now I have no stake in this property. And when we sell it, all of the money will come to you. Will that, can you take that to court? You can't take it to court. Obviously, there that, there is a letter in intention there between the parties yes. there is intention there however the the judge is not under any obligation to take that into account he may just decide that again the whatever the 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 principles are he may just follow those principles or he may take that into account we just don't know because there are no binding precedents it's a lot more difficult if the family contested correct yeah, yes, if is. they say, no, we we are not aware. And obviously there is an emotional side to this because at a time when you have lost somebody, um, you know, and if it's, if it's in an accident or if it's something that's all of a sudden, because I guess that when people are ill for a very, very long time and they know that, you know, they're not going to survive beyond a certain point, then they do start looking at their assets. That's but true. I guess when it's sudden, you don't, you know, if you haven't thought about it, you haven't thought about it and something has happened. Um, and so for the family, you're already going through the trauma of losing a loved one very, very suddenly. And then if you have people coming to you and saying, hang on a minute, he owes me money. This money is mine. You have to pay me. You have to pay me. It's it's too much. It is too much. And also because of the process and sometimes the system here, it can be a minefield, especially if you don't live here. It just, it can be quite alien and very daunting and overwhelming. Mm. So again, there, there is that to, to contend with as well. Yeah. So uh, again, going back to the point that if you have the right documentation, so if you have a DIFC will, for example, then you know that it, you you would just follow the, 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 the wishes of the, the testator, the person whose assets it relates to, mm-hmm. and it will just get dealt with through the Dubai, uh, sorry, not the Dubai courts, the DIFC courts. Right. And, um, and it's a very streamlined process. Yes. So, you know, this takes away all of this, the emotional situation, the minefield, and you will just have to follow a process and the laws are there in place to protect all individuals, whether it's the recipient or the beneficiary or the executor. Yeah. So... It's, it's very, very important to sort of like bear that in mind and take that into account. Absolutely. But because there are so many different situations, as, as you've, you've mentioned as well. So, you, and you just don't know when it's going to happen. So it's best to have those provisions and safeguards in place. In place, beforehand. absolutely. So I have another question with regards to the visa status for the family. So if the, if the wife and the child is uh, sponsored by the husband and the husband passes away, what happens to the family? Well, the, the, the position until recently was that um, if, let's say, for example, if it's the husband who passes away and the wife and the, the child or children are, are on the husband's sponsorship, then when his visa is cancelled, then ultimately the, the, the spouse and the children's visa will also be cancelled as well, which meant that you would only have a, a grace period around about 28 days to leave the country. Wow. However, that situation is now different because the government has introduced the fact that when it concerns uh, widows as well as divorcees as well, that you, you can actually apply to stay in the UAE for a period of 12 months. So right. you have that grace period yes. and also applies to the children as well. Yes, so, so in case they're in the middle of school year and correct. you have time a year to sort out what you're going to do, That's maybe right. get a job and get another visa exactly. and sort yourself out if you intend to continue to stay and in the country. Lot, and you do find a lot of uh, um, women, especially, want to continue staying here yes. because they don't want to disrupt that lifestyle that they have. It's certainly in terms of the, the children's schooling as well. I, I would feel the same as well. I wouldn't want to disrupt my children's schooling if I can, if I have the opportunity to be able to stay here and continue that. Like, for example, my daughter's 14. Mm-hmm. Um, I would want her to finish her education if I, if I could. Um, it's a very stressful time. Yes. So yes. the government have been very good in, in terms of introducing that 12-month period as well. And it really eases that 
that burden on individuals and the children as well during that, this difficult time. Absolutely. What if you are a single person who's living here and you don't have any family who lives here and then you you do you have these assets and you don't have a will. So like like the situation as I as I said with the gentleman who passed away and had the property, his family didn't live here. So they had to come in here and understand what his assets were. So does that apply? How do you then register yourself as the legal heir? Well, so it very much depends on what the situation is. So, for example, if it's a, a, a DIFC will, sorry, did you did you say whether it was with a will or without a will? Without a will. Without a will. So if it's very much dependent on the um, legal heirs to come into the UAE and to consult with professionals to deal with that situation because again if it's without a will then everything will have to be dealt with through the Dubai courts so yes. the um, the recommendation would be to then speak to a professional local advocate to explain what the situation is and then they would start the process from from there on in yeah is there a way where the family who is not living here let's say they're not even aware of what assets are are there the individual owned so is there a way where you would be able to get just a list of all of the assets that this individual owns? That would be quite difficult to do. I mean, what you can do is make inquiries with the relevant authorities. And we had one of those situations as well, whereby um, the, the gentleman was working in Saudi. Um, and again, he died unexpectedly of a heart attack. And the wife didn't know what assets he actually had in the UAE. Mm-hmm. And um, so she just knew there was a property in a certain location and it was very much about making inquiries with the relevant um, authorities to try and see if you could find out where those assets were so that would be a starting point to consult with the relevant authorities yeah um obviously with banks it's quite difficult to um have that information disclosed to an individual again there is there would be no proof so what you'd have to do is you'd have to apply for a court order Mm -hmm. to have that sort of information disclosed if disclosed if necessary but yes RERA or the DED would be sort of the starting points trying to establish what sort of assets the individual had right um if there is no list available if you like so do all countries have different laws like we know the UAE has these laws uh which are not which are very specific to the UAE uh and and now with the DIFC coming in it's become more kind of of an international uh format to to have your will distributed but uh is there is is that pretty standard like is there an international standard so if you are an expat you would go into your own country and it'd be a straightforward process or is it different everywhere inheritance laws are very specific to each jurisdiction so what i've heard is that for example sharia law is sharia law but however my understanding is that the uae sharia law is applied differently to certain arab countries in the uk it's a common law jurisdiction so there are certain uh, components that are different so as we've talked about earlier the concept of joint survivorship that that applies and that applies to most common law jurisdictions because the principles are the same then you have other countries who have civil law jurisdictions so their inheritance laws are different and it's very more it is very much country specific right um and also for example with italy there is forced airship as well so you have countries you know in, in with those type of uh, um principles so it very much differs and there is no real concept I think there is a misunderstanding or misconception again of of a global will there is no there isn't there isn't so if you have assets in different countries you should register a will in each Each country country. where you have an asset that's the advice we give yes that's the that's the easiest best way for you to have your your assets distributed according to your wishes otherwise you don't want to invalidate your will by not having a, a will specific to each jurisdiction because then you might miss out certain points. So and again, it goes back to my example in the UK, carving out the Sharia principles for their Dubai assets was was defunct and right. would not be applicable. So just to ensure that you have the peace of mind that your assets going to be distributed in accordance to the laws of that specific country, it's best to have a will in that, in that specific country. And what country. happens to your uh, international investments, for example, like from here, you invest your money into certain portfolios through a bank, uh, but they are invested in different countries. So I could have a, a big investment portfolio 
through a, a bank here or through an investment firm here, but my money is distributed in different places. So how does that investment amount get uh, allocated in terms of what, where should I be uh, registering those investments? So it very much depends on, let's say, for example, those assets are offshore. So you would have to look at those offshore jurisdictions and make sure that your assets are covered with the right um, will in, in those jurisdictions. So, for example, if your investments are in the Channel Islands or in the BVI, then it needs to be covered by the appropriate will in that jurisdiction. But that that is that is saying if I have a significant ac- asset in that jurisdiction, what if I am, for example, I have my bank, they come to me and they say, we have this great uh, investment scheme for you. It could be a Zurich international scheme. It could be, you know, just a bond. It could be anything that's not major. It could be $100,000, for example, as an investment uh, done through a bank here, but invested in in a bond in another country. But if the if the document is actually signed and dealt with in the UAE, yes. it's a UAE bank, then those assets would be considered to fall under the UAE jurisdiction. Right. Yes. Right. So I'm just I'm just asking that because as I said, when you're listing your assets, you need to understand which assets to list. Because like you're saying, that I could have assets in the UK and list them in my will, which is registered at the DIFC yes. and then take them back to the UK and it won't apply. That's right. So I think the, the detail is is in the document that you're signing as well. So you just need to ensure that you, you understand where those assets are. So just from your example, if it's the UAE and you've signed the document, and your investments are, let's say, generated from the UAE, then it would definitely fall under the UAE jurisdiction. So you'd have to just, just be mindful of that when you're signing your documents. Right. So I want to talk about how do you write a will? Um, What are the things that you need to consider when you are writing a will? Okay, so some of the points that need to be considered is, for example, who is going to uh, be the executor of the will? Uh, The executor is very much different to what a beneficiary is, but an executor can be one of the same as, as, as a beneficiary. So let me just break that down. So an executor is the one who is going to distribute the will. He's going to be the administrator of the, the estate when the need arises. So what I advise clients is to consider somebody who is equipped to be able to deal with that. Because obviously it's going to be stressful, but also yes. you have to navigate through the system as well and deal with professionals um, to ensure that the estate is is administered as and when required. So that might be somebody who has more of a a financial background or is more responsible and you feel comfortable with that person. You trust them to make sure that they will distribute it exactly as you have written it. Exactly. So you need to consider who's going to be your executor. So normally it's going to be obviously the one executor, sole executor, but you can have a joint executor. So let's say, for example, you believe that it's going to be your brother and your sister, you trust them explicitly. So you could you can appoint both of them or you can appoint one. Should one predeceased, you can appoint the second. Mm-hmm. So you need to consider who's going to be your executor. Then obviously you want to think about who's going to be your beneficiaries. So yes. it's going to be your spouse, children, siblings, um, nieces, nephews whoever you want so that's something that you need to consider um then you'd also want to consider um who's going to if you have any minor children who's going to look after your children especially if you're here in the uae there is a provision within the difc will for example that allows you to to have take that into account so and then again you think about your your assets and who you want to pass your assets down to so it be it would be considering your your property it would be your bank accounts or the cash that's sitting in your bank account um any personal items that you may have it could be an art collection any jewelry you could be very specific about that how you want that to be distributed within your will and want what percentage as well so as as i mentioned earlier do you want somebody to receive 100 percent of your entire estate or do you want to break it down into certain percentages so so these are the general practical considerations to to bear in mind so what you're saying is it can be as simple as me registering a will today to say that every single asset that i own would go to my husband yes correct so and and you just need to have that specified within the will it's that straightforward it's that straightforward it's not every single asset i do not have to because that was one of the things that that you know people i've heard people say oh my god the paperwork the paperwork we have to sit down and we have to list and we have to think about all of these things but it can be something as simple that you can do today that you can go 
and save your family from all of the trouble to say that if something happens to me, it goes to my wife, every single asset that I own in it, the UAE absolutely, or, or vice versa. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. In terms of the, the asset and liability list, yes, we do recommend that you have one written down just yes. so that you could pass to your loved ones when that need arises. So yes. because you might not have disclosed your assets and your liabilities exactly. to family members. So again, it could be a minefield for them. But you can you can have that written down at some point. And let's say, you, for example, you... you but that doesn't have to be part of the will process. No, not at all. That is just me informing my family, guys, this is what I own. This is where everything is. You know, telling them these are the, these are the shares, these are the bonds, you know, these are the properties. Yes. And uh, these are the bank accounts. Just listing down everything that you own. But that's more for your family. But from a will perspective, it, the paper work can be as simple as me saying that if my husband has a will, he can go to every single uh, place, whether it's, you know, the, for, to change the title deed, whether it's going to the bank, whether it's it's getting access to my accounts, just to say this is my will and everything my wife owns is now mine. That's correct. So, for example, in the DIFC, there is a prescribed format that you have to have a, a will drawn up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and there are only certain registered practitioners who can draft up a will. Yeah. And um, so, again, it's a, it's a prescribed formula. So, just as simple as what we've just spoke a, a few moments ago. So, if I wanted my husband to receive 100% of my assets, you would just literally just write all my movable and immovable assets. Mm-hmm. 100% are, are passed to my husband as the sole beneficiary. Again, you know, what we would recommend is that um, there is a provision should he predecease me, mm-hmm. then it would pass on to my children. Yeah. So, you would have a caveat there. Yeah. Just to cover yeah. it. Otherwise, that will become null and void should yes. it happen to my husband. So, once that will is there, and it's it's uh, um, obviously it's, it's to your satisfaction, then that will has to be registered with the DIFC. Right. Okay. And once that will is registered in its original form at the DIFC, then it becomes fully valid. Yes. Okay. It's registered there. And then that will then will eventually get dealt with through the DIFC court. So the executor, let's say it's my husband, he is the one then who would have to apply to the court in order to start distributing those assets right. once he receives what's called a grant of probate. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's very straightforward. At what age do you need to make a will and start thinking about it? Okay. So the age of majority here in the UAE is the age of 21. So if you have any assets, um, then you can only have a, a will in place if you have attained the age of 21. Right. Um, and if I could just point out that in the UAE, or spe- specifically for the DIFC, you have to be a non-Muslim to be able to register a will at the DIFC. Right. Yeah, it, it's, it's not applicable to Muslims. And you have to actually make a declaration to that, to that right. effect. Right. So if you are a Muslim, you automatically go to Sharia law? Correct. Okay. And there is no way you can sort of circumvent that. It applies to you, irrespective, again, of your nationality. If you're a Muslim, Sharia law will apply. And there's no way to sort of carve out that. Right. Principle. But if you are a non-Muslim and you are an expat, then, you know, just drawing up a will. Can I do it myself? You can't do it yourself. Um, for example, if you have a, what I class as a Dubai court will, so where you have a, a will drawn up, you can have it notarized at the, the notary public. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a will, but um, and, and that's fine. You can have that drawn up yourself because mm-hmm. there's no sort of prescribed formula. It has to be a bilingual document. Um, but that will be dealt with through the uh, Dubai courts when it comes to dealing with the the probate side when it comes to administering the estate. So I cannot register that will with the DIFC. No, not not when it's no tries. The DIFC will has to be registered. It has to be drafted in this prescribed format. And it has to be registered at the DIFC Will Service Centre so by two, an expert who is registered. Yes, correct. The yeah. two very very different wills. So usually that's a law firm. Yes, who who I can go to. They'd give me a format, help me through the the paperwork register it for me and and that's it that's right do i need to have a physical copy do my family does my family need to have a physical copy of my will we do recommend that you have a physical copy uh what happens with the difc is that they register the original will Mm -hmm. so that's your original signature you actually have to personally go down to the difc will service center to have it registered Mm -hmm. so they keep the original and then, then you receive certified copies and those certified copies you can distribute as you wish Right. So you can you can either keep them yourself or then you can distribute them one to your executor, for example, or your family members. And can you do decision. it as a couple? 
Or do you have to have an individual will? Like if my husband and I go and we have all of these assets that we share, you know, can we say that if something happens to me, it goes to my wife, if something happens to my wife, it goes to me, or we better to keep it separate and have two separate wills? You could do what's called mirror wills, but they are two separate independent wills. So they can mirror exactly what you want in accordance with both your wishes. So as you just explained, um, if you want everything to go to your husband and vice versa, but they are two separate wills, but you can have them registered at the same time, but they are two separate wills. that you have And go do. through the whole process at the same time. You Correct. can sit down, do everything, and yes. then just have two separate wills that you sign as an individual and then register them. Yes, that's right. And what happens, what is the validity of, of a will that you've made, let's say, when you were a lot younger, your assets have changed? and uh, you know you 30 years later you pass away but that's the only registered will that you've had in the UAE uh-huh. so that that would probably have to be dealt with through the Dubai courts because a DIFC will is only applicable post 2015 okay because that's when the wills and probate registry was set up so anything post that would be a DIFC will if one was registered there and it is dealt with through the DIFC courts if you had a will that was drawn up 30 plus years ago then it will still be valid because those are your assets and depending on what the the instrument states. However, when it comes to distributing and administering that estate, it would have to be dealt with through the Dubai courts. And if you do have a very specific will where you have distributed your assets specifically to individuals and uh, that's that's when you draw up the will and those were your assets, but when you pass away, you have more assets which are not included in the will and you don't have a clause which says that everything goes to you know, my spouse or or my children, because you have now distributed certain assets to say my, this apartment goes to my child, my son, my, this, this, you know, jewelry goes to my daughter and this, this property goes here and this financial asset goes there. And now that takes care of a percentage of what you have, because that was what you had when you drew up the will, but now you've passed away 10 years later and you have more assets and you don't have a provision in your in your will that says that everything else goes to my, my husband. Okay, so I guess if anyone's going to challenge that, again, that situation would have to be dealt with through the Dubai courts. And right. it's for the judge to decide how, how those additional assets will be distributed if, yeah. it, if there is no provision within the will. So basically the DIFC will deals with only what is within the will if there are specific assets that have been mentioned, then it will deal with those specific assets and not those that have not been mentioned. And you still have to go back to the Dubai court for that. With the, with the DIFC will, it works slightly different. So, for example, you can have um, your will drawn within the DIFC where you mentioned that you want all your movable and immovable properties. So immovable being your um, real estate property and then your Movable property, meaning your bank accounts, any cash assets that you may own, any cars that you may have. So that that, that deals with those specific assets. And that is covered within the will. So you might not necessarily mention what is the the, um, the details of your property. You might just say that it's your immovable property. There are some clients who prefer to mention the exact uh, details of the address and provide a copy of the title deed that is entirely optional and but something for peace of mind that most of our clients like to do. If you decide to add to that real estate portfolio then what you can do is you can contact the DIFC will and ask for them to update the will so it could be just for them to add to the will but if there is a, a, a significant modification required to the will where you've acquired additional properties um, and it you decide that you want to pass some of those properties to a different beneficiary, for example, then that's the modification. Then you would have to modify the will in person or, or dealt with through your, your relevant professional and uh, and then re-register it at the DIFC. There right. is a small fee to be paid for that. It doesn't mean you have to re-register and have to pay the entire fee again. There's a small modification fee that you would need to pay in order to do that. So that's something that you can easily do uh, working with the DIFC Will Service Centre. But if you don't register those assets, do you now have a portion of your assets which have been registered through the DIFC being dealt with through the DIFC and then the portion of your assets which have not been included in your will you have to go to the Dubai court for that no no because it's the the way the DIFC work DIFC will works is that there is a just a general catch all yeah, when it concerns movable and immovable. So any additional assets that you may have post-registration will fall within the DIFC will. So there's going to be no uh, ambiguity right, concerning right. that. So, so it's pretty straightforward. Once you have a will registered, the, the expert will navigate that, that process, like you're saying, the paperwork to say, okay, this is what you have right now, but let's also think about what you're going to 
have, you know, in the future, right. which you have not specifically mentioned yes. here. So let's have a clause in there to say what happens to your future assets. Yes. So yes. someone helps you through that to yes. explain that, you know, put in a clause so that you don't have problems later on. Yeah, that's right. And as I said, we do advise clients that if they do acquire property in the future, then they're more than ha- uh, they're more than um, able to update their will and submit that title deed to the DIFC Will Service Centre and they'll just attach that to their will to ensure that, that that's sort of covered yeah. in the event of administration. Well, it's definitely a difficult subject to to talk about and to think about and there are a lot of people who do not want to think about what happens when they die but True. the reality is that you know it causes a lot more heartache for your loved ones if you don't have these things in place because at the end of the day they are surviving and they need to sort these things out they may even be dependent on the assets you've left behind for them so it's it's from from everything that you've said you know, it is imperative to have a will and easy as well. Yes, it's definitely easy. I think it, there there is a, a misconception that it, it is a minefield. It's very, very difficult. And you're right, it's a very uncomfortable subject. Nobody wants to talk about th- this type of subject. Um, we all sort of believe in mortality and uh, it's very uncomfortable. It's very sad. It's very emotional. I've had clients who've been very, very upset, but they, who've, who've had to talk about this situation, but it's there to sort of safeguard your loved ones in the future. And it's something that is really important to do. And uh, you're actually protecting your loved ones. And Absolutely. You're actually, you're actually um, helping them dealing with a very, very dis- difficult situation by having the right instrument in place and safeguarding them in the future. You're actually um, treating them. And with, yeah, with saving them the the trouble and the emotional trauma of, of you know, having to deal with something like that. And maybe correct. even in certain situations where there are a lot of assets losing some of it. That's right. That's right. And, and it goes back to a lot of, um, I guess, if it's you want to say whether you want to bury your head in the sand because it's such an uncomfortable subject, but it may be that a spouse doesn't even know what their other Absolutely. spouse, what assets they have. Absolutely. So it's very, very important, not only the list, but having this type of instrument in place, it just saves a lot of heartache in the long run. Truly. I totally agree. Thank you so much, Nyla, for, for talking to us through this. And, you know, I, for one, have been thinking about doing this for a really long time, but the whole idea of the paperwork and, you know, oh my God, I have to list everything. But you've just kind of said, no, I can go in there. I can do it right away. Very much. And it's pretty straightforward. It's very straightforward. And I think you'd be very pleased that you would have done it. And it's just one thing that's out the way, you know, it's there, it's in place. And with the DIFC will, for example, um, the, the will is there valid up to the age of 120. So you could even leave the country as long as you have assets in the UAE, that will will remain valid. So it doesn't cancel if you leave the country. So it's, that's something that also you can bear in mind. And one thing I also want to mention is not just with the Dubai court, but also DIFC, there is also a, a will available in, the Abu, in Abu Dhabi as well. Mm-hmm. So if you have any assets in Abu Dhabi, then you can also have that covered within an Abu Dhabi will, which is something that is very um, new and recent, but it's very similar to the DIFC as well. So everything is covered. Yes. So uh, um, And things have become a lot more straightforward absolutely. and streamlined. And I think the country is doing everything it can to, to safeguard the people who have spent their entire lives living here or Correct. their entire working lives. And they are encouraging people to kind of say, this is your home. You know, we're here to make sure you're going to be okay. And your family is going to be okay in case something happens to you. So I have seen, as I said, from my own personal experience with what happened with my father to to what I see now, there has been so much progress and we're definitely moving in the right direction definitely. with where this is concerned. So it's easy. It's simple and it is going to save your loved ones a lot of heartache. So I would I would recommend everyone to go ahead and think about what they want to do with their assets and Absolutely. do it right away. Absolutely. Thank you, Nyla. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Pleasure. Thank you very much. The one thing that we all know is life is going to come to an end one day. But we all must think about how we're going to leave our family once we are gone and how they will survive without us, not just emotionally, but financially as well. If you haven't thought about a will, you must think about it now. This is Kanchan Kulkarni, saying goodbye for now and speak to you again soon.